Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters is on the air. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure-earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker, Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 or listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now... Our host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by the Big Thinkers Academy, where we provide professional solutions for maximizing human potential. You can always visit us at www.bigthinkersacademy.com. Well, Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women, and our purpose is twofold. First, we love to inspire, encourage, and provide great knowledge and rich content, and also also, we have to edify, promote, acknowledge, and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and today happens to be another fabulous Monday, June the 11th, 2012, and you know, I hope you are as excited about your future as I am because trust me, yes, I have a master degree. As a matter of fact, I have five PhDs in this thought, that the brightest future is yet to come, and no matter what it seems like right now, what it looks like to you today, your future is extremely bright. So I want you to get excited about it with me today. And, you know, we are here every week at the same time. That's Mondays at 12 noon Eastern, so we appreciate you in advance for spreading the word. Also, we want to continuously thank you for downloading our shows and thank you for tuning in to Wealthy Sisters. We consider it an honor and a privilege to have you as the dynamic audience that you are today. Well, you know, we have another fabulous show for you today. As promised, as always, we are committed to bringing you the best of knowledge, the best of content that you can actually take right now and apply it to your business, professional, and personal life. And, you know, we are holistic here. We take that holistic approach that, of course, everything works together. And today, in honoring Father's Day, because we know we have a lot of powerful brothers that listen to our show every week, and we recognize and thank you for that. Well, today, our very special guest happens to be a male, and I tell you what, I am thrilled to have this gentleman on the show today. Yes, uh, Mr. Frank Phillips is the president and CEO of Phillips, Phillips & Allen, a Washington, D.C.-based consulting firm which provides public relations, marketing, and just to say the least. Uh, this gentleman I want you to know is someone that if you don't know him, you need to get to know him real fast. I mean, his background it far reaches the Capitol Hill with the Pentagon, just to name a few. And as I said today, he is our special guest, and we're thrilled to have him on the show today. But we're going to come back um, here and take, just take a quick break. And when we come right back, we're not going to hold him from you any longer. We're going to bring on Mr. Frank Phillips. So stay tuned.
Well, yes, we're live back on Wealthy Sisters, and we're celebrating Father's Day today. As we know, next Sunday coming up is Father's Day, and we definitely want to give them their props. We know a lot of times we hear the fathers say Mother's Day is celebrated with a big bang, but sometimes the daddies feel like they get left out, but not here at Wealthy Sisters. We, as always, want to be able to celebrate them, and we want to remind you as well, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Wealthy Sisters. Sisters, that's Wealthy Sisters, and also right now, if you're tuned in, make sure you tweet, Facebook, and text. Tell all your friends to dial into the show right now because we have a prominent, prominent professional on the line today, Mr. Frank Phillips. Tell them to dial 347-838-9278. That's 347-838-9278. And you can always listen to this show and our other shows live here at Wealthy Sisters Radio. That's S-I-S-T-A-S Radio. WealthySistersRadio.com. You can listen to this show live right now um, via the web or download our other shows at that web address and also through iTunes. So we are not going to delay any longer our very special guest for the day. We want to welcome to Wealthy Sisters, Mr. Frank Phillips. How are you today, sir? Doing quite wonderful, Deborah. I'm quite thrilled and pleased that you invited me to join you and your group today. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, as I must tell the audience, I have the privilege of calling you my big brother, and um, I don't take that lightly. I, I, like I said, if they don't know who you are, I tell you, I, I you should be jealous if you don't know this gentleman. He's such a uh, an awesome individual, such a rich brother, and I mean in friendship and just, just an all-around great person, just a great individual. And as we have several communication conversations. Who better than to have you on Wealthy Sisters today? Talk. I just say welcome again and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, tell me, uh, Mr. Phillips, you know, we are really, really nosy here at Wealthy Sisters, and we like to kind of always dive into the background just so that our audience can feel like they're able to relate uh, more and understand clearly where your background and how you got started. So if you don't mind, just share a little bit about that and tell us how you actually came into the field of communications. Well, uh you know, I, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't share that I came into communication uh, at an early age. I would like to think, uh, mainly out of a, out of a product of uh, trying to learn myself. So learn a little bit about myself. So I at an early age, I I had this deep desire to figure out who it is that I am, and then figure out who are the people around me that I needed to interact with. So early on, I started out my career in uh, my academic career majoring in psychology and also leadership. Uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a retired military officer, so I, I was an ROTC student, and part of that we had to engage in a lot of communication. But that wasn't really uh, my main focus coming into the military. My focus was to be a psychologist. I wanted to pursue a Ph.D. in clinical psychology, uh, but after I completed all of my branch qualifying assignments, I was an airborne infantry ranger and uh, finished up quite early, and they decided to put me in a branch called public affairs, and that would be the equivalent of public relations. Okay. And once I got involved in public relations, I really saw that I had a knack for communication, both uh, 
oral and written communication, and I wanted to become as good as I could be, so I went ahead and pursued a master's degree in communications from the University of Oklahoma and continued to pursue other classes that the military would offer as part of our professional development in a variety of different communication courses and just some outside readings on communication. Uh, that led me to uh, pursuing a Ph.D. at the University of Maryland in their public relations uh, and journalism program. Uh, I've been in the communication field since, I would say, 1988 and have pursued a variety of different uh, jobs and, and positions uh, throughout, the, throughout the military to include the chief of the, of the Army News Service, which is a wire service, that operates out of the Pentagon and uh, funnels some of the top stories coming out of the Pentagon to 435 newspapers. I had at my call uh, eight of the top writers in the, in the Army, and uh, from there I went on to take an assignment with the Secretary of the Army to run his civilian age uh, program, which consisted of a, a host of uh, senior-level emissaries that were granted two-and-a-half stars, and they had to be con congressionally appointed. Uh, they were such high-level individuals like uh, Peter Kors of Kors Beer and Harv Bennett of Larmar Films. They had to be uh, pretty, pretty uh, highly situated and well-regarded individuals to, to get these positions because they were unofficial lobbyists for the Army. And from there, I became an Army spokesperson and then uh, went on to Korea to serve as the Public Relations uh, Communications Director for Tommy Franks. And General Tommy Franks, and then I came back and uh, served as a senior instructor at the Defense Information School, which trains all of the international, national, and some government uh, public relations officers. Uh, I retired in 1998, uh, started a business, Phillips Phillips and Allen, and uh, then about a year later I got called to, to be on the staff of Congresswoman Maxine Waters as her communications director, and I stayed with her for about a year, and went right back into business and uh, started to take on some government contracts uh, doing public relations and communications. Uh, on the side, I do, I've do. i done uh, teaching and instructing, so down. I'm a full-time professor at Prince George's Community College, as well as I had junk at Bowie State and uh, University of Maryland, of course, teaching both uh, communications and public relations subjects. Uh, I have on occasion taught public policy even though that's not my real area of expertise, mm -hmm. but I do have some understanding of it. But that's me in a nutshell. Uh, well, I tell you, <laughs> that that is a huge nutshell because, like I said, your background is quite extensive, and uh, just to know all of the areas that you have been uh, a part of, it just really shows um, in the work that you do today. So tell us more about this word, communications. I mean, we hear it. It's a buzzword. We see it as over the Internet. I mean, whether it's through personal um, relationships, whether it's through business. Tell us what is communications by your definition? Well, you know, that's 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 very interesting, Debbie. And sometimes you have to sit back and really think about what it is that we're talking about when we talk about communication. You know, as humans, we're social beings. And, you know, we just can't get along with one another without being the opportunity to communicate. Even during the early days when we had no understanding of language, we communicated uh, through other means, uh, utterances, signs, and codes, and those types of things. And later on, we developed symbols. 
So if I were to give you a definition of, of communication that would pretty pretty much encompass all the a- areas of it without being highly technical, I would say simply that communication is the transfer of meaning. Mm-hmm. And in order to transfer meaning, you have to have a sender and a receiver. Mm. But just because I said communication is the transfer of meaning, it really isn't that simple. There's a lot of nuances. There's a lot of uh, things that can really get in the way of that communication, and we face those every day in our interrelations with others, whether it's in our social, whether it's in our business. Everything is impacted by our ability or inability to communicate. That's true. That is really true. I mean, can you can you give us like an example? I know you said whether it's through personal relationships, but what are some examples just so our audience can get clear on what you mean of you know what you just said as far as communication is concerned and how it affects every aspect of our life? Okay. Um let's let's say if if we understand that every time we walk out there we have a communication. Let's, I give an example to some of my students to kind of uh, demonstrate to them how we all operate based on our cultural understanding mm-hmm. of how we communicate. Mm-hmm. Now, let me give you, let me give you so, so just so we can really examine this. Let me just throw out to the audience what a culture is. Okay. Well, any of us would probably look at a culture and think of that as being some ethnic mm-hmm. designation. But in reality, a culture is nothing more than a system of interpretation. All of us are multicultural. We have several different systems of interpretation, meaning when we use slang, then we have somebody in our culture that understands that slang and we communicate effectively with it. In the United States, we probably have billions and zillions of different cultural perspectives within our own culture. We have culture that's defined by our education, what school we belong to, what neighborhood we belong to, whether we're a woman or a man, we communicate differently. All of those create areas that we have problems communicating, that we one thing we say to one person may be perceived by someone from a different culture perspective. Let me give you an example. We have a young man. You know, I happen to teach at a, at a school that's predominantly black, and many of my students come from urban areas that they can understand this particular scenario here. We have a young man. The young man, uh, let's say, is Robert. Robert's a nice young man in his neighborhood. He's the type of young man that gets up in the morning, he kisses his mother, kisses his grandmother, gives them all the respect, goes around to the neighborhood and wishes wishes all his neighbors good morning and farewell. But Robert, because of his cultural perspective, he dresses in a certain way. When he goes out in the morning, his hat is on backwards. Okay. His pants are sagging below the waist. He wears Timberlands unlaced. But by all definitions, Robert is no different than the young man from another culture who doesn't dress in that same way. But we have to understand that his his manner of dress communicates something different in his culture than it does in another. So Robert decides, because he's a nice young man, he decides that he wants to take a ride to the mall to go down to Neiman Markets and take his $50 that he's earned and buy his grandmother a very nice scarf. So he gets on the bus, and he rides down to Neiman Markets. While he's entering the bus, there's an elderly woman 
uh, she's Caucasian, and she's sitting right in the front, and Robert being the nice gentleman that he is, he walks up to the uh, uh, the young lady and he says, good morning, ma'am. And she immediately looks at Robert, looks at what he's communicating, and she clutches onto a pocketbook. Mm-hmm. I asked my students at that point, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, most of my students would say, that lady is prejudiced. Mm-hmm. And I would say to them, no, she's just responding to the cultural communication that she knows. Mm-hmm. And Robert is responding to the cultural communication that we know. As communicators, we have to understand ourselves and we have to understand other cultures because just because we're communicating one thing doesn't mean that that which we are communicating is understood in the same way we mean it to be understood. So we have to be sophisticated to be communicated. We not only have to know ourselves, and if you look at some of the ancient Chinese philosopher Sun Tzu, he says, know your enemy as well as you know yourself, and you'll win a thousand battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand, when we talk about communication, we're talking about the transfer of meaning. Robert transferred meaning that he thought meant that he was a nice young man in his neighborhood. But the older white woman on the bus, being bombarded by probably a lot of the negative uh, projections that appear in the media, saw that style of dress as being a criminal. So she responded as though Robert was a criminal. So meaning was transferred, but it was transferred by virtue of her cultural perspective and his cultural perspective. Mhm, mhm. Okay. When when you consider that, I mean, those are that's one way that you you mentioned that there are several ways there, and that's a that's a powerful example because we see that, and it's been in the news here prevalent with um, the young man in Florida with Trayvon Martin and and what he might have been communicating to um, the gentleman that uh, I can't pull his name out right now that. Zimmerman, right, right. So that's that's a powerful statement that you're making there. What other principles can you share with us that can assist us in understanding communication? Because culture, like you said, and how we, you know, dress or our culture might dictate how we present ourselves. What else is there? Um, what other principles, like I said, are there for us to understand as well? Well, one of the things that we have to understand, and you know, and, and that'll get to my next point, where we talk about the differences between verbal and nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. Many people think I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you what I consider some of the key principles, and then even some misconceptions that we have, and then we can go from there. Okay. You know, the, the first principle, and I talk to you about that, is that in order to communicate, we have to have both senders and receiver. So we got to communicate with others, and that communication is both what we do intentionally and unintentionally. So those things that you don't know you're communicating, you're communicating. We like to say that you cannot not communicate. There is never a situation that you're in a communication system that you're not communicating something, whether it's your hairstyle, whether it's the type of shoes you wear, whether it's the way your eyelids go up, whether it's the the alignment of your teeth. Everything communicates something. The key is do you know what it's communicating? Mm. Communication is irreversible and unrepeatable because communication is also time and place. Mm-hmm, so you may be mm-hmm. able to communicate the exact words, but you can't communicate it at the exact time. So it can't be repeat. Here are some misconceptions. Most people think that the meanings are in the words themselves, but the words have no meaning except what the individuals impart in that. I give the example. 
to my students. I ask them to tell me what, and I just draw up graphically mm-hmm. the words, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I ask them, tell me what that means. And many of them will tell them it means affinity, it means affection, it means all of those things. And I'll tell them it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything until I paravocalically apply some tone that gives it meaning. So it's me, by virtue of my nonverbals, that give it meaning. I could tell you, I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said I love you three different ways, but I'm sure that each of those tones change the meaning. One could mean that I'm a controlling I love you. One could mean that I'm showing you affinity. One could mean that I'm really ingratiating myself to you by virtue of the tone. So the meanings are in not in the words. The meanings are in the people that say those words. Right. Another misconception that we have is that we always make the mistake. It says, somebody made me do this. People don't make us do anything. We make us do. We choose to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Another misconception is because we learn to be great communicators, then that's going to make that's going to save us. I, I would have students that would enter into my interpersonal communication class, and they would tell me, "Professor, you know, I'm so happy to be a part of this class because now I can really salvage my relationship." And I tell them, I said, "All that you're going to learn here." is learn how much you don't know about communication. Because as much as I am a communicator, a learned person in communication, I don't begin to think that that makes me an expert in dealing with my relationship. I make the same mistakes. I just know once I do them what mistakes I made, and I could possibly figure out a way to fix those mistakes. Right, you can identify. <laughs> exactly. And so... The the point that I try to make in communication is that communication is a learned experience. It's a process. You Mm -hmm. have to learn each individual and take time to go through that process with that individual. But there Mm -hmm. there are some guiding theories. There are some theories that are out there that researchers have gotten into, have examined and explored, and have come up with some guides to kind of help you out in certain situations to help explain those situations. Okay. Okay. I I think you kind of alluded to uh, the difference in the impact of verbal and nonverbal communication. Right. Uh, You wanted me to kind of explain what what is more important? Yes. A lot of people would probably. What is it? Mm -hmm. A lot of people would, you know, be under the misconception that verbal communication, because you're saying something, that that would have the most impact. And many would probably, if they were to break it down by percentage of impact, they'd probably give verbal communication far more impact than nonverbal impact. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is 93% of the impact that's carried in, in our communication is carried nonverbally. Only 7% is carried verbally. You'll find some theorists that would say that it probably breaks down to 67% nonverbally. But what they've done is they've applied uh, something like 27% to paravocalics, which is an element of nonverbal communication. When I say paravocalics, I'm saying the tone of the person's voice. 
because okay. just the tone of a, a person's voice will will provide some level of meaning. I'm speaking to you and your audience right now. They've already made some assessments. They've already had some perceptions about what kind of person I am just by virtue of the tone of my voice and the quality of my voice. However, if I came on the show and I said to everybody, Good morning, Deborah, how's everybody doing? <laughs> as humorous as that may seem, they would perceive me completely different just by right. virtue of my tone. Right. So everything communicates. Right. We cannot not communicate. That's the crux. That's what people don't understand. They don't understand when they fail in some kind of communication interchange that the failure may not have been in the words that they've conveyed. The failure may be in the dress. The failure, mm-hmm. failure may be in, in a variety of different, different ways. The failure may even be in their lack of understanding of the cultural perspective of, the, of others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why it behooves us as social beings, and especially since here you're talking specifically about business owners, it behooves us to understand different cultural perspectives. The business person nowadays, and I think it was uh, Thomas Friedman, Friedman, in his earlier book, The World is Flat, he mentioned that the, the future, the globalization 3.0, is going to be characterized by those who have a, an appreciation for the Internet and understand cultural collaborations. Because those that understand how to deal with different cultures are the ones that are going to be the millionaires of the future. Mm-hmm. Because the boundaries mm-hmm. are no longer there, and that's why he had the the, the book, "The World Is Flat." There, is, there are no longer any any boundaries. So you have to understand those cultural perspectives. And as I mentioned, a culture is nothing more than a system of interpretation. Mm. I love that a system of interpretation. That's what a culture is, and and as far as communication is. Is concerned. It's this transferring of information that you mentioned as well, but it's all transfer of meaning. Because let me tell you, let me give you an example. Let me give you what when I say transfer of meaning. Okay. I use this. If you go to um, many of the African cultures, you go to these cultures, right? Okay. If I was to send my young man out to Africa, the first thing I would do, I'd want him to represent me well. He's going on a trip to go to Africa. And I say, remember, I want you to shake, shake everybody's hand firmly and look the person right in the eye to show mm-hmm. your sincerity and tell them what your name is and everything. And everybody would agree with me from, from a U.S. perspective. However, if he wants to transfer that particular meaning, it may not transfer as clearly as I just stated. He goes to Africa. He goes and he meets one of the village elders. And he does exactly what I tell him to do. He walks up to the the elder, looks him square in the eye, shakes his hand, and the elder looks back with a repulsed look, like, how dare you? Only because the meaning that he just transferred to that elder from his cultural perspective is sheer and utter disrespect. Mm -hmm. Because in African cultures, younger people don't look elder people in the eye. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have, that's that's a very... Uh, 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 a very stark understanding of that. But we have very (laughs) subtle differences that occur with cultural differences between individuals. We have cultural differences between how we deal female between uh, male. Um, Mm -hmm. The workplace. 
you have different kinds of things that can happen. Let me let me go into there's a couple of theories that are out there. You know, I'm very excited about this subject, so I may, you know, a theory or something may pop up in my head that I think may be worthwhile to the audience, and uh, I'd love to share it. Uh, there's a couple of there's, there's probably 25, 30 prominent theories uh, that regarding uh, communication, but I think two are worth knowing. Noting. Okay. One is a theory called, uh, and it really plays out in our basic interactions with people and how we interact, whether it's socially or whether it's business. One is called uncertainty reduction. We all engage in that when we communicate with people. When we communicate with people, our goal is to establish a communication system. And in business, our goal is to get greater degrees of intimacy with that client, meaning we want to be able to do business with that person. Right. What we try to do is we try to reduce uncertainty with that business owner. And the way that we reduce uncertainty is that we have to understand their cultural perspective and we provide different bits of disclosure that tie into that person's cultural perspective that makes them feel more comfortable. The greater degree of positive disclosure, the greater degrees of intimacy, and the greater chances you are to having success. However, the greater degree of negative disclosure, meaning you violated some cultural perspective of that individual, the greater uncertainty and the less intimacy. Mm-hmm. So if you go into if you go in and you have your one minute business, you may have your one minute elevator speech. You may have violated inadvertently one of the principles of that of, of the cultural principles of that individual, and because of that, you may not get the job and may not understand why or why not. We call those expectancy violations. Each of us have certain things that we expect in our relationships. Those That's are based right. on the culture. You know, those uh-huh. are based on the culture that, that we're in. Okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, like, I love that. And we've had that conversation before about expectancy yeah. violations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's, there's some powerful stuff out there. It, and and here's, when we talk about expectancy violations, I usually explain that to my students like this. Harold Jordan just recently got his his MBA from Harvard okay. University. His okay. BA or AB and his MBA from Harvard University in finance. He went down, he sent in his application, cover letter, to interview with one of the great Wall Street firms down there. He spoke with them over the phone. Harold's a very articulate individual, of course. His entrance into Harvard really... Uh, assured that, Uh, and when he gets there, Harold happens to wear dreadlocks, has a couple of tattoos on, and he has somewhat of a casual suit on. When he comes to the interview, they know he's coming, and they're very pleased with his resume because his resume is very, very impressive. Although, and they were also very pleased with his uh, with his telephone interview. Of course, he's a very articulate 
and well-spoken individual. But when he shows up there, he shows up with dreadlocks, tattoos, a piercing, and clothes that really don't reflect that. Intellectually, he's a man for the job. Unfortunately, for that cultural perspective, he has an expectancy violation. An expectancy violation increases uncertainty. An increased uncertainty reduces intimacy. Mm-hmm. Harold will not get the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had Harold showed up with the cultural garb, clean-shaven head, nice blue suit, nice rep, maroon tie, white shirt, nice Oxford shoes, he would have easily gotten that job because he met some of the cultural identifications of that. The greater degrees of disclosure, positive disclosure, the the less uncertainty, the more intimacy. Uh And Uh we can take those examples, uh, those theories of expectancy violation and uncertainty reduction and look at all of our relationships, business or otherwise, and really see how we make mistakes in there. So it's important when we talk about communication being the transfer of meaning and understanding that each of us are multicultural and each of us being a certain system of interpretation to everything that we say and do to a communication system, then we can understand how complex this thing called communication is. But even how complex it is, we can still put our arms around it and still be successful at it if we understand the basic principles. Mhm, mhm, mhm. That's good. That's good. Understanding those basic principles, and you know, you get you get a lot of using those examples that you just used, um, even with the earliest, the previous example. But this one, you know, you get people to say, okay, well, that's discrimination. That's not right. That's not you're not saying that it is not right. You're just saying that is what uh, or that it is right. You're just saying that is a fact of what actually happens when we um are communicating and don't realize how much impact nonverbal communication has on what we're actually transferring to that person or the receiver. Yeah. You know, as a communicator, I found absolutely no merit in wrapping myself around trying to figure out why mm-hmm. someone likes or dislikes me. I try to understand whether they're, whether there's a racial component or not, mm-hmm. what it is that I can do to facilitate that communication, given the cultural perspective of that individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that leads us into the point of, to can you tell us what can each of us do in business in particular, but um, as, as well as our life, our professional and personal lives, what can we do to, to become better communicators? Well, you know, it's something simple, and you know the, the most simplest things are usually the most profound. Mm. The things that we can do best is to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. Many mm-hmm. of us don't listen well. Mm-hmm. We hear, mm-hmm. but we don't listen. Mm-hmm. And the more we listen, we can learn about the individuals that we are engaging. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever, mm-hmm. you, whenever you go to uh, seek out a client, we always hear those advise us to say, do your research. But we have no understanding as to why we, we're doing our research. 
We're doing research because we're trying to get to understand the other individual. We're trying to get to understand the corporate culture that we're going to be engaging in so we know how to effectively communicate with them. When we listen, we're trying to listen to understand the individual so we can appropriately communicate with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's important that we listen. We listen and we learn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I, I think it's Oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Who, who was, uh, is it Covey first seek to uh, to understand and then be understood? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seek to understand the person that you're communicating with. Then seek to be understood. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's within that understanding that gives you a greater opportunity to communicate effectively, to transfer that meaning. Because you can transfer meaning based on your understanding. And just like the young billboy who got on the bus, with the baggy pants and all that, he just didn't communicate his genuineness to the older lady. All right. he communicated was that he was a hostile because that's the way she saw it. Right. And right. you can't right. blame her. You right. can't blame her for that. You have to understand that. Right, right, work right. appropriately. Right, right, right. I mean, it's just as plain as communicating to, if you're a speaker and you're presenting to a teenage audience and you're using yes. terms or language that is that may not be familiar or vice versa, if you're communicating to an older audience and you're using teenage slang, I mean, you've got to be able to know the audience of whom you're communicating with so that you can effectively use their buzzwords and their keywords. It's just like speaking another language. You're not going to stand in front of a room and speak Spanish to a crowd of French speakers. (laughs) that's, That's correct. That's correct. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. I, I like to tell people one size does not fit all. Right. You've got to you've got to be able to tailor your message appropriately to that audience. Now we do say that in most business interactions and academic interactions, we all try to converge on the standard English dialects. Mm-hmm. But there are certain situations that you want to really appeal to an audience. It's best to speak the language of that audience. Mm-hmm. 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 So it's mm-hmm it requires you to have an understanding of the audience. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. that's why it's important. It's important Mm -hmm. to understand, just like it's important for husbands to understand their wives and how they communicate. It's important Mm -hmm. for the wives to understand that men communicate somewhat differently than women do Mm -hmm. because we all Mm -hmm. have different roles. But when we we negate that understanding, we create more communication problems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Well, I tell you, this has been an awesome show. We're going to have to have you back on. Uh, Mr. Phillips, real soon to just go over more of the theories um, that you've shared today and to just to continuously help us become better communicators in our business, professional and personal lives as well. How can we reach you? Uh, you have a web address that others can find you on as well? Well, my, my uh, website is uh, www.ppa-pr. That's www.ppa-pr.com. And are you on Facebook as well? I sure am. They can reach me <laughs> at uh, just at uh, Frank Phillips, Frank J. Phillips. Oh, right. right there. Awesome. awesome. I, uh, what would you go ahead? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what would you like to leave our audience with today? Any closing thoughts around the subject that this phenomenal and fascinating subject of communications today? I I just, 
I guess the things that the pearls that I put in there is just understand that communication. Most most of us take communication for granted, mm-hmm. uh, but take time to listen, take time to learn the people that are in in your sphere. And just because you understand something to be one way, doesn't necessarily mean that someone else does mm-hmm. understand it in the same way. And sometimes we cause problems in our in, in our communication with others that really isn't a product of them trying to do harm to us. It's really in their cultural understanding of what it is, of what the problem mm-hmm. is from their perspective. So mm-hmm. listen mm-hmm. and learn. Mm-hmm. Listen and learn. Well, you heard it from none other than Mr. Frank Phillips of Phillips, Phillips, and Allen. We want to thank you for being our very special guest today celebrating the Father's Day weekend, and we know you you named your company after your father and your son. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Continuing that that legacy, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, Mr. Phillips. It's been a joy having you on today, and like I said, we look forward to having you back. We trust that you shall uh, when your schedule permits. And once again, thank you to our audience for tuning in. We always appreciate you. And if you just caught this show and missed the first half, you can go back to www.wealthysistas.com. You can catch this show and all of our others as well. And find us on iTunes there. You can download it. So, as always, we are wishing you and yours the best of everything great. See you next week. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman. Turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister. And visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysistas.com.